Good morning, Mars Hill. Today's teaching text is from Luke chapter 1, verses 68 through 79. That is on page 945 in the Shed Bibles. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he said through his holy prophets of long ago, salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. For you will go on before the Lord to prepare the way for him, to give his people the knowledge of salvation through the, through the forgiveness of their sins, because of the tender mercy of our God, by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven, to shine on those living in darkness, and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet in the path of peace. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Troy. I'm uh, honored to be one of the co-lead pastors here. And um, I just want to normalize something that you may observe in the next couple minutes. I woke up this morning with a special gift, a pain in my body that wasn't there yesterday for a reason that I don't know. Um, I think it's because I'm not 20 anymore, and now sometimes things just happen. So um, every so often I take a step, and my right foot says, don't do that. But thankfully it's not every step. It's unexpectedly. So um, there may be a couple moments where I lose track of my thoughts, or I do a small little stumble. You don't need to come up here. Everything's okay. I just wanted to tell you. It's sort of unexpected, and I just want to normalize that before you start wondering if something's wrong. I think it's, I'm just almost 50, friends. That's, the, that's what's going on. Um, happy Advent 4 to you. Yeah, I get it. Um, it's also Christmas Eve, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I want to acknowledge that it's Christmas Eve, but it's also the fourth Sunday of Advent. And the invitation for you this morning, if you choose to accept it, is to suspend, uh, to delay cannonballing into the celebration of Jesus who has come to be among us. 
Suspend that for a couple of minutes this morning. And let's continue to join with the church all around the world that mourns and that yearns and that longs and that sings, Come, Lord Jesus, come. Let's stay in that spirit a few more minutes. Can you do that with me today? And then at 3 o'clock in Grand Rapids and at 6 o'clock again in this room, I promise we will celebrate. Um, This morning we want to continue to live into this Advent spirit for a few more minutes. Um, I have a couple of aspirations for the words I'm going to say today. A couple of aspirations for today's teaching. First, I hope that our imaginations, that our imaginations about God in Christ would be expanded. Second, I hope that our desires would be deepened for all of the promises of God in Christ to be more fully realized, to be more fully actualized in our world and in our lives. And then third, I hope that our worship will become more passionate and more honest. Our worship will become more heavenly, more angelic, that we might very well become more and more passionate as we sing glory to God in the highest. You know, just a couple of aspirations this morning. A couple of modest hopes for one little bit of teaching. Um, And I want to get there. I hope we can get there by attempting to ask another faithfully curious question. That's what we've been doing for a handful of weeks. We've continued that during the season of Advent. And the curious, faithfully curious question I want to address today is this one. What child is this? Are you singing it now? Yeah? I'll give you a second. You sound great. Mm-hmm. What child is this? It's the question I want to look at this morning. And I want to begin addressing that question by talking about pigeons. Naturally, right? As you expected I would do. I want to talk about pigeons for a couple of minutes. Um, did you know that in World Wars I and World War II... That the use of homing pigeons or carrier pigeons were a really key part of the war effort? I'm asking if anybody knew that. Yeah, yeah, a couple of you, yeah. Yeah. The U.S., England, Germany, and among other nations um, were utilizing pigeons as reliable delivery systems. Remember, this was before encrypted emails or texts or WhatsApp, Okay. Um, This is a reliable delivery system, believe it or not, birds. And this was a key part of the war effort. Not only that, um, but these pigeons were also used as decoys. False messages would be written, attached to pigeons, and sent out to deceive other people because these pigeons were intended to be intercepted. Decoys. Not only that, I also, there were snipers particularly trained and assigned to find pigeons 
and to take them out. Pigeons were an interesting key part of the war effort. I find that really interesting. I came across a book this past year uh, written by Kathleen Rooney, and she illuminates uh, one particular narrative from World War I. And it's about one particular pigeon called Cher Ami. Cher Ami was trained by the British and then was given to the Americans to be a part of this war effort, to be a part of this part of World War I. And supposedly this particular pigeon uh, fulfilled many missions, but is really best known for one particular mission and one particular episode in France. Um, The story goes that there was a a group, we now call them the Lost Battalion, that were in the forest of France, and they were surrounded on all sides by German forces. And as they're defending themselves from that, they also begin to receive friendly fire. There was a miscommunication about coordinates, and they were starting to actually be shelled by their own men. So they're fending off the Germans, but also now are getting bombed and attacked by their own people. And so the major who was in charge of this battalion, uh, Major Whittlesey, he decides, I need to send a message. So he writes a message and he says, here's where we are. We're actually, you got our coordinates wrong. We are at this location. And would you please stop bombing us? Please stop. And he entrusts this message to this pigeon, share a me, and throws the pigeon up in the air. Now, to make a long story short, this is a great story. Go track it down. The book is incredible. Um, the pigeon reaches its intended destination. Ultimately, about 190 men are rescued, this lost battalion. It's amazing. On the way, the pigeon gets a little bit hurt. One of its legs gets partially blown off, a deep cut across the breastbone. And so the pigeon actually gets awarded early retirement. All right? Not only that, but France and the U.S., they award this pigeon with all kinds of medals and awards. It's honored. About eight months later, due to its injuries, it dies. But... You can see it. You can see it at the uh, National Museum of American History on display. I'm telling you all this because in Kathleen Rooney's book, which is really creatively narrated partially by Major Whittlesey and partially by the pigeon, Sheremy is one of the narrators in the book, you come across this amazing reflection from the pigeon. After all of these lives saved, after all of these families impacted by this pigeon, Sheremy offers this reflection. I myself have become a monument, a feathered statue inside a glass case. In life, I was both a pigeon and a soldier. In death, I am a piece of mediocre taxidermy collecting dust. I gotta be honest. I worry that for way too many people, 
Thanks to the familiarity of the Christmas story that we tell during this season. Thanks to the strong influence in the priorities of cultural forces. Thanks to even the desires that many of us have to preserve certain feelings and memories. During the Advent and the Christmas season, Jesus, Jesus can become little more than a plastic figurine on a shelf or on a front lawn collecting dust or snowflakes. Merry Christmas. And I think that the question, what child is this, is really important for us to be faithfully curious about. Because I really believe that being curious about this question and by not simply assuming that we have already grasped the full details of the story in God, of God in Christ already. Being faithfully curious about this question, I believe it can lead us to these expanded imaginations that I hope for. I believe that it can lead us to deeper desires for the promises of God in Christ to be fulfilled. I believe it can lead us to more passionate worship. The text that we heard, and even this seasonal song that we sing, What Child Is This?, they both share at least one thing in common. These words from Luke, which are Zechariah's song, if you didn't know or is familiar with Zechariah, the week one of this Advent series, Tim did a good job of helping us into the life of Zechariah. Zechariah's song and this Christmas carol, What Child Is This?, they both agree that Mary's baby is no ordinary baby. That there is more going on there is more, hear me, there is more going on than simply a swaddled, no crying he makes, how still we see thee lie, baby. This is no ordinary baby. And I'm guessing that we probably all agree with that. But I think maybe the key distinction here is that but what but both Luke and the song agree that and they stress that what makes this baby extraordinary is that all of these things about the baby are true immediately. That they are true at the birth. That they are true in that very now. Zechariah's song, it's in present tense terms. God is to be praised, he says, because he has come to his people now. Not he's coming, but Zechariah stresses that God has come now. Mary's baby is the horn of salvation. Mary's baby is the remembrance of the covenant. Mary's baby is the rescuer. Mary's baby is the enabler. Mary's baby is the Messiah now, at the birth. The song, what child is this? It proclaims in its chorus. Sing it with me. This, this is Christ the, not the baby, and it's not soon, soon will be Christ, right? It is a declaration. The baby is the king. Does that, does that expand something for you? 
Does that stretch a little bit for you? I find that too many people, too many of us, we don't think about the realities that these promises, we don't imagine them being fulfilled until the adult Jesus. (laughs) We don't imagine that these things become realities, frankly, until the last three and a half or so years of the life of the adult Jesus. What we don't do is we don't locate that the work begins immediately. I would like you to consider, I would like you to imagine that these realities, that these promises, that they are inaugurated, that they begin the moment Jesus is born. What if? Imagine with me for a minute. What if? Do you remember at Jesus' baptism? This is before Jesus had done anything, right? At Jesus' baptism, he hears the voice of the Father speak acceptance and approval and pleasure. What if? What if the Father's acceptance and approval and pleasure is not simply true at Jesus' baptism, but is also true in that manger under those Bethlehem stars. True, immediately. What if? What difference does it make? What difference does it make, I wonder, for some of us to imagine that God's pleasure and acceptance and approval wasn't delayed until Jesus reached a certain age. But that it was immediate. I wonder what if, and I don't want to keep poking at this one line from this one Christmas song, but I really can't stand the no crying he makes line. And that's not just because I'm a first-time dad. What if, what if, what if Jesus didn't come with no crying? Thank you. (laughs) What if Jesus didn't come with no crying? But what if instead Jesus came, he came with intense wailing? And it's because at Jesus' birth, the work began. And if the work began right then, it makes no sense to me how still we see thee lie. No crying he makes. I can only imagine intense wailing. What if the work of rescuing God's people from their enemies? What if the work of defeating the powers of sin and death? What if the work of piercing the darkness? What if the work of reconciling? What if the work of healing? What if the work of saving? What if it all began immediately? What difference does that make? for us. What difference might it make to imagine that Jesus came wailing into the world 
as the one through whom all of God's promises immediately began to be fulfilled. What difference does that make? That for the sake and for the love of the world, in Jesus' birth, the work began immediately, waiting no more, delaying no more. My wife's favorite Christmas hymn is Lo, How a Rose, Air Blooming. And uh, it sings of Jesus, this flower whose fragrance fills all of creation. And we sing in the third verse that this flower dispels with glorious splendor the darkness everywhere. This is the newborn Jesus that we're singing about. This is work that begins immediately. This is light from light that the Nicene Creed confesses. This is work that begins immediately from birth. Jesus shining into the darkness. What does it do for you? to consider the possibility that the work began immediately. That when we sing these songs about the baby, we are talking about the one who inaugurated the work immediately. And in case you're wondering if this is simply speculation, these are just wonderings of mine. I want to stress where these convictions come from. As as clearly as I can say this, I, I want us to know that Jesus wasn't created in first century ancient Palestine. Jesus wasn't created at the conception of Mary. Jesus wasn't created at the birth. In Bethlehem, Jesus was born into time. But the Son of God was begotten of the Father before all time began. Let me say it again. In Bethlehem, Jesus was born into time. But the Son of God was begotten of the Father before all time began. The Bible confirms this. The Bible testifies to this. John says this in the first chapter. That Jesus was in the beginning with God. He was at the creation with the Father and the Spirit. Colossians 1 tells us Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He is before all things. Hebrews tells us that Jesus has no beginning day and he has no end of life day. He is called the Ancient of Days. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. He is the first. And he is the last. In other words, Jesus always has been and always will be king. That must be good news for some of us. Jesus always has been and always will be king. Jesus didn't need to become an adult for these realities to be true. 
Jesus was king long before Bethlehem. And yet, still, in God's great kindness, Jesus was made flesh. The king became one of us. And in the words of the great theologian Catherine Tanner, because of this, we are brought to God. We are assumed into the divine Trinitarian life. And then this phrase, God is doing what God is always doing, attempting to give all that God is to what is not God. What God is always doing, giving all of what God is to what is not God. What child is this? So much more than we could ever ask or imagine, but certainly never less than the fulfillment of all God's promises and the eternal king, this child, the eternal king. Is it hurting? The child is the eternal king, worthy of all praise, worthy of all of our alleluias, worthy of all of our glorias. I want for us, I want for you, that this story would never grow old or stale. That you would never be callous, that you would never be numb towards this story. That it would always, that it would always fill you with awe, it would always fill you with wonder, it would always expand and grow as you come to it with faithful curiosity. Because I believe, as the early 7th century monk Maximus the Confessor said, I truly believe that Christ eternally wills to be born mystically. That, those couple words are enough. Christ eternally wills to be born mystically. Becoming incarnate through those who are saved and wills to make the soul which begets him to be a virgin mother. What Maximus is trying to say is Christ always wants to be born again and always wants to be born in you and in me, to be homed by you and by me. The eternal king mystically desires to be at home in and through you and I. The story that we tell is not simply about a baby born at one time who would eventually go on to do and to be great. Our story 
Our story is about the one who has always been the king. The one who has always been the king before all things came into being. And our story is of the one who is always being born anew in his people. Always being born anew in his people, in and through whoever is welcoming, in and through whoever is open to his presence and open to his gracious rule and reign. As Zacharias said, praise be to the Lord because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Thanks be to God. And God has always been calling people to God's self. And in Christ, from the very first entrance into time, shepherds and wise men, common people, outsiders, people who were far off, they heard the call to come and worship and they responded. Friends and family, may we be like them. May we be quick and eager to encounter the king made real for us in Christ, the eternal word made flesh. And so, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. And let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so let's pray as we come to this table in a spirit of thanksgiving. How right, how good, how joyful it is at all times and in all places and in this particular time, in this particular place to give thanks to you the creator of heaven and earth, the king eternal. And so we join our voices with angels, archangels, the entire company of heaven who are forever surrounding your throne to sing this hymn of praise. Glory to God in the highest. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so we do pray, Holy Spirit, that in a mystical way, Christ would be born in us again. And as we come to this table, would the mystery and the joy and the depth of this story be brand new for us. As we take familiar elements into our body, may they be transformed into something new so that in us and through us, the truth and the power of this story might be made known to the world. God, would you feed us? Would you encourage us? Would you strengthen us? And above all, would you in ways that are undeniably real to us, be with us. And amen. 
Think about this. The story that we tell when we come to this table. And then on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread and he said, this body that I took on voluntarily, the uncontainable submitted to be contained in a body. This body, Jesus says, I now break for you. Broken for you. As another reminder of the undeniably great love of God for the world. And he took the cup and he blessed it and he said, this, this is now the renewal of the promise. The promise made real in my blood. And so whenever you take and you eat and you drink, we tell the story again. We take it into our bodies and then outside of our bodies, the story is actualized and made real for the world. story that that continues to expand that doesn't have a finish line that continues to become new that every time we come and we take and we eat and we drink it is born anew within us a story that we try to summarize in all of its profundity we try to summarize as best as we can in these inherited phrases passed down to us from generations so we speak them together this great mystery of our faith that Christ has died and Christ has risen and Christ will come again and so you're invited in these next couple minutes to pray if it would be a good moment to pray and for someone to bear witness with you and to be present with you there are folks so willing to pray Brian and Paul willing to pray here we're going to sing about this great story. We're going to take the story into our bodies. And so there are tables in these four spots here and Alex and Nikki would love to serve you. These are all allergen-free elements. And so I encourage you to come and to once again taste and see that the Lord is good. Come at the invitation of the eternal King to be reminded, to be reminded what child this is and to be swept up into this great story yet again. So come, receive who you are, the body of Christ.